listening to the Broke Generation podcast, the podcast that helps you feel better about money so you can be better with money. My name's Emma and I'm your host. Not so long ago, I was a bit of a hot money mess. But now, through getting to know myself and my relationship with money on a deeper level, I've managed to turn my finances around. And I want to help you do the same thing. This podcast will become your number one place for finance that makes you feel good by bringing you new insights into managing money in your 20s and 30s and breaking down the financial, lifestyle and career barriers that face our generation every day. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. I acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which I'm recording and you are listening to this podcast today. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the Rogue Generation podcast. I'm back with another solo episode and another order up from your requests for personal stories and things about me and the way I'm feeling and that kind of thing. I promise people have actually requested this. This is not one of those influencer bullshit things when they're like, everybody's been asking about my skincare routine. Uh, People have been like, I really like hearing about you. I'm like, oh dear. (laughs) That's a bit of a problem because I'm very boring. But I am trying to serve up some tasty stuff for you. And so today I thought I would take you through some key areas of my finances that I'm working on at the moment. I like hearing about these things because I feel like it normalizes, dare I say it, the kind of challenges like practical and mindset challenges that we face when we're taking on our finances and when we're trying to do better and we're trying to build security for ourselves and and fucking get through it (laughs) ultimately, um, get through the challenges of life and the challenges of the cost of living crisis and just life getting in the way and life being really busy and for me now as well being self-employed like it's a lot of things and so there's a few sort of key areas of my finances that I'm working on at the moment and I thought I would talk you through them in this episode so it's not particularly like tips or anything like that it's just a bit of a chatty convo over a cup of tea who am I kidding I'm a coffee gal over a cup of coffee about how I'm approaching these things. So I'll start with number one, which is, I don't know if I'm really going to have these in numbers or not. I'll try my best to so that you can make sense of what I'm saying. (laughs) I am firstly really trying to adjust to what it's like being self-employed. Unsurprisingly, really. But I'm noticing that a lot of the previous approaches that I might have had to my finances and as an individual, especially an individual that has gone through working through paying off debt and trying to learn how to save and getting to that point where I turned my finances around, I'm trying to get to that next bit now while also dealing with the change in context of being in business. So if you don't know, you probably do, but if you don't know, I've spent the last year studying financial psychology and behavioral finance in a graduate program, which has been really interesting and actually really helpful during this time because it's helping me make sense of why I'm finding it difficult. So there's obviously the practical challenges of the fact that you've gone from having certainty of income every month in a job and now you're like responsible for making all your own money. There's obviously that practical challenge in terms of cash flow and the way you make money in business is not static and you might have earned a load of money, but your clients aren't paying you and there's all those kind of practical things. But the mindset side of it has been really quite interesting because what I've uncovered is that a lot of my 
perfectly reasonable ways of thinking and feeling about money that worked for me as an individual just don't apply to this new context. And so when we talk about money beliefs, there are the beliefs that hold you back and there are the beliefs that are like toxic beliefs that are making you engage in unproductive and maladaptive behaviors. But there are also beliefs that are completely true. Like you may have a belief as an individual that working hard is a good way to increase your earning capacity and make more money, whether it's like working more hours and working more and more and more to pick up extra work or extra shifts or going above and beyond in your job so that you can get noticed and get a promotion. That's not a toxic belief if it's handled in a healthy way and not sort of edging on being a workaholic. But that's a very reasonable thing to believe that working hard is good for your finances and working hard can help you progress in your finances. But what I'm finding is that that is not translating to the new context that I'm in. And if you end up in a context where that doesn't work, then you can be sort of really stuck in this confusing place because you're like, my beliefs are not making sense to me anymore. And my brain is not able to make sense of the way that I'm experiencing money because this belief does not fit with what I'm experiencing. So using that as an example, for me in business, working hard does not equate to making more money. And to an extent it's true in employment as well, but in a much more intangible way when you're self-employed, you can work really, really, really hard and get nowhere and you can equally make money easily as well. And you need to have a balance of both. Like you obviously need to show up and do what you're doing really well in order to you know, provide a good product or a good service. But that's sort of what I've always relied on is going above and beyond and trying to be the best I can be or deliver or over deliver or be different or be better or no more or whatever. Where I've gone above and beyond in jobs and that has served me fairly well or where I've worked in restaurants and picked up extra shifts or I've, I've had a side hustle pretty much my whole life. So if I've needed to have more money or if I've come into an unexpected expense, I've had some kind of pull over how I can work harder to fix that. But sometimes you get into these pockets of business where working harder is not the solution and you actually need to change your business model or optimize or to an extent reduce your costs. But even that is a bit of a funny one because where I've got my business finances and my personal finances, in my personal life, I can cut costs. But in my business, the way you cut costs is slightly different because you need to spend some money to run that business in a way. So your instinct is like, oh, things are difficult. I need to cut costs. But then you see all these business expenses coming out and you're like, this is just not computing with the way that I am, like with the way I've programmed my brain to respond to these things. So that's been a bit of a weird thing because you can't just let go of all your personal financial beliefs because you're still an individual to varying degrees you know if you're if you employ yourself then that's you're even more of an individual if you're a sole trader you and the business are much more enmeshed but you still have individual spending habits that apply and money management habits and individual goals or whatever but also there's the business there and you need to have a certain different like aspect of your brain a little compartment of your brain where you think about things differently Sort of within that, kind of not really, <laughs> another kind of money thing. So number two, I'm moving on to number two now. Another sort of money thing that I'm working through is having to mentally and emotionally adjust to the fact that I've gone backwards a bit. Again, with business and again, with self-employment or anything that sort of fluctuates, you don't always go 
forward. You don't always make more money than last year or more money than last month. And there's that sort of on a micro level, but also on a macro level in life, I'm sort of like, oh, I'm 30, I'm nearly 32 and a half. Like I, I always extend how old I am. I, I've literally just turned 32 in June, <laughs> but I work like six months ahead to like help my help myself mentally acclimatise. I'm 32 and I'm like, God, am I am I making enough money for this age? Like, have I massively stalled my financial growth? And there's sort of two ways of looking at it, really, because from a like, you know, carving your own path and doing it your way and doing what works for you, it's like, yeah, it doesn't matter that you're earning less. It doesn't matter that your, you know, your income hasn't gone up in four years or whatever. Like, it doesn't matter. But then you also look at it from like a logistical financial perspective. And I'm like, what opportunities could I be missing out on if I'd stayed employed and kind of had a bit more of a linear earning trajectory you know obviously there's there's risks with both sides but you know providing you don't get made redundant or you don't make a side step or a step down in your job generally you don't take another job unless it's significantly better or it pays more so I feel like sometimes like mentally with that when it's like a bad day and I get stressed out I'm a bit I'm working on really working through that because ultimately that feeling isn't necessarily going to go away or look, maybe, maybe that's not what I'm trying to say, but I think the reason I'm trying to work through it is because you can't wait for an external outcome to absolve the way that you feel because it's like saying, Oh, I'll feel better when I've got 20 grand or I'll feel better when there's this in the bank. You might a little bit, but you'll probably just acclimatize. You'll probably just take that feeling and just scale it to where you are. So I'm really trying to work through that like sense of trust and sense of, I guess, belief and confidence and like forward thinking view that it will improve at some point (laughs) or that that I'm on the right path to create the outcomes that I want and that I need. I don't really know if that's making any sense. I feel like I just did that thing where you say an awful lot and not a lot at the same time. But the TLDR, sometimes I get a bit in my head about the fact that my income and my financial situation has not been linear and that I've stepped back a few paces and I just have to trust that this is the right thing and not compare to a path I didn't walk because it really is irrelevant and it's only harming me, I suppose. I think within that, there's sort of a sub number three which is me having to navigate feeling like I'm behind my friends, particularly like friends I went to uni with and things like that. The things that I'm seeing people be able to do with their financial capacity. And you look, there's also privilege and all kinds of other things that come into this as well. But, you know, we have such access to social media now as well. And so even if it's not people we know, we just see other people that we deem to be similar to us or in our periphery. And we see people having like, weddings and honeymoons that are costing like I don't know 30 40 50 60 thousand dollars and you're like where have you got that money like oh my god I couldn't do that or you're seeing people maybe get you know especially if you hang around on LinkedIn getting really significant promotions and really like reaching their stride in their career because we've been like out of uni and working for like upward of 10 years now people are really hitting their stride and that obviously generally comes with a financial implication as well And I think when you're kind of out here, you know, doing your own wacky thing that looks cool from the outside, but can be really quite confronting on the inside, that's just 
again, just something I'm pushing through. It's not something that I can, that will just go away by reaching a certain milestone. And it's also not something that is, that, that is not completely like manufactured as well. Like there's parts of it that have truth. There's parts of it that I've made mean something else. But that whole comparison thing is just, it's constantly something you deal with. You, you compare to people that aren't like you, you compare to people that are like you or that are in business. It's just a lot on the mind, you know? Number four, yeah, it was like one, two, sub three and four. I have been looking sort of at my financial behavior this year and things like that. And obviously I am working on my year long wardrobe freeze or a year of buying no clothes. If you haven't listened to my podcast episodes about that, definitely check it out because I think you'll find it interesting. But I've actually been really proud of my financial behavior this year. I think that doing that challenge has really helped me because I've had a lot going on, like in business, in my personal life, mental health wise, physical health wise. And I think that if I hadn't had that like container, I guess, that I'm in, in terms of like mentally, I know that I'm not reaching to buy clothes. I think I probably could have spent quite a lot of money this year on clothing through emotional spending, but also just clothing that I would be wanting to wear out and about because this year is probably the first year since 2019 where I've been consistently getting up, putting on a proper outfit every day and going out the door. I've been coming into my co-working space a lot. I'm trying to, because I'm doing my wardrobe freeze, I'm getting very creative with my clothes and trying to put together new outfits and get the maximum mileage and stuff like that. And I think that doing that, if I didn't have those boundaries and those parameters around the fact that I'm completely withdrawing from buying clothing, I think that I've been able to sort of copy and paste that thinking and those learnings into really all discretionary spending. The sort of, I guess the main thing I've got my finger on the pulse of is like chaos spending. I think we all experience that when you've got a lot going on. Like the last what two months, I've been working six or seven days a week and like physically coming into the office as well on the weekends just because I've got things to get through, which I'll probably talk about in a separate episode. But yeah, it's been, it's just like not literally not been time to do grocery shopping and not been time to pack food when I'm coming in on the weekends and just no energy to do other things. And that's that's okay. It's a season of life. And that's just been really sort of something I've had my eye on. It's sort of worked itself out, though, because I haven't really been spending on other things. And I think when you're really busy, yes, you can have a lot of chaos spending, but you also don't have the spending that you would have if you were out socializing or doing things. And so it's sort of, it hasn't really destroyed any kind of aspect of my financial ecosystem, I suppose. But it's just something that I'm sort of working on taming because it's one thing to, you know, give yourself a buy and say, look, it's a chaotic season of life. I'm eating more takeaway than normal. But if you're sort of, there's always a line, you know, I cannot afford to eat out every day. Absolutely not. But if my usual one or two becomes three or four, that's one thing. But if it's becoming five or six, that's entirely another. So that's just been something that I've got to keep my eye on. And as well with like business expenses and stuff like that, I've got to be careful with making sure that I'm on top of that because I can't, because I've had to kind of shut off from a lot of areas of the business while I work on other things. I don't know, there's just a lot going on in there. And I've had to make sure that I'm not like paying for things that I'm not using because things are on pause and all this kind of stuff. So it's mostly like handling the chaos is sort of a big thing that I'm working on as well. Number five, I thought I would talk through some of the things that I'm saving for at the moment. And look, I'm not making a huge amount of progress with these. I'm not going to lie because saving, having personal savings goals when I'm self-employed is a bit of a weird one because a lot of the money stays inside the business because it's sort of like there as 
runway. I've heard of this concept recently of runway, of having runway to do things. So the more like buffer you have in your business, you've got more business runway, if that makes sense. So I'm leaving a lot of it in there and I only pay myself a small amount to like cover my bills and my like weekly spending allowance and, and, you know, putting money into my like little categories that I do and stuff like that. But I'm not paying myself anywhere near like a proper salary. So I'm not being able to like save or invest any other money, which is kind of another bit of a thing, really. I'm really on a bit of a pause year with like financial growth because I'm putting it all into the business. But that all sounds really good when you're like planning to do it. But then as the end of the year looms, you're like, oh, my God, (laughs) what if it doesn't work out? Which is, yeah, that's probably a whole other thing I'm working on. But the things I am trying to save for is we still want to have a honeymoon. I We got married in December of 2022 in our micro wedding. If you haven't read any of my stuff about that, definitely check it out. So we really want to have a honeymoon, but it's just, it's a lot. It is a lot. And I really want to go and have like a really relaxing like island holiday. We don't really have holidays together because... All of our money and all of our travel time goes on going back to the UK. So I really want this to be a really nice holiday. But it's just been there's just been a lot of other shit this year that is kind of derailing that a bit. That's sort of like top of my personal spending priorities. The other thing we're looking at, I've talked about this a little bit before, but one of our like major financial leaks or not leaks, but like holes in our sort of overall position is our car. We share a car and she turned 18 this year. And so she is, uh, she's on her last legs. Going to be, going to be totally blunt with you. She may not last that much longer. And it's fine for day to day because neither of us rely on it. But when you go to do a big journey, you're like, Oh, <laughs> is she going to make it? And she's sort of like one bad service away from, from us having to call it. And so we've been sort of looking at how we can acquire another car like how much do you spend on that the second hand car market's been wild lately but equally the new car market's just as bad which is why the second hand car market's so wild so that's sort of something in our periphery as well i don't have a like this is how far off the goal we are because it's still so conceptual at the moment and it might involve pulling like emergency savings from one place to another or cutting back on that or I don't know what. We're really kind of rolling the dice with the current car at the moment, (laughs) pushing it out as long as we can. But it is something that we will need to focus on eventually. And then the sixth thing is working on upgrading my relationship with money in this new way. So a bit like I said before, you can change your relationship with money and you can change your habits and you can change your beliefs when you're working through a specific thing or or when you're, you know, working on that part of your finances. But it's not a one and done thing. You have to update this stuff as time goes on. And that's what I'm coming up against now. I feel like I had my first financial upgrade when I got out of debt and I started saving and I had my side hustles and I had money in the bank for unexpected expenses for the first time and that kind of thing. Then we sort of had COVID and everything was a bit weird. And then I went self-employed and I had to sort of have that shift. And now I'm like kind of acclimatizing to self-employment and I've been doing it, you know, end of this year will be the second full year. So I feel like I'm trying to go through this next upgrade now where I really focus on like building more security and building more of that runway that I talked about in the previous sort of section and and balancing that split between my personal finances and the businesses and not making financial decisions based on how well or not well the business is doing if it's about me as an individual. 
I think that's a really easy trap to fall into. And again, while sometimes it can mathematically make sense, you know, if you've had a really good year in business or a really good month in business and you've made lots of money, maybe you might take that out and buy something with it. But I feel like from like a climate view, like a like a financial thermostat type thing, sometimes you can feel really good about your personal finances when the business is doing well or really, you know, that's sort of one side, but the other side is feel really bad about your personal finances when the business is doing badly. And I, I'm trying to kind of separate those as much as I can because like at the moment I've got sort of another, I'm going through sort of another financial challenge, which is I'm not going to talk about it on the podcast because it's not, it's too personal, but something's costing me extra money every month now, which is making it difficult to have any like leeway or much leeway. So in that sense, I'm really trying to work through that from a logistical perspective, putting that money in, but also like not making it mean something that it doesn't mean. And I think that this type of conversation is one of the hardest things when you are talking about real mathematical financial problems and then layering the psychological and emotional side on top of that. Because it's a bit like that concept of scarcity mindset. You might say something to someone and someone might go, oh, that's a scarcity mindset because you've said, you know, oh, I can't afford this or I don't have enough of this or like, oh, it's always something like this. There's a scarcity mindset and then there's actual scarcity. And trying to treat a problem as if it's a scarcity mindset when it's actual scarcity is futile. It's also dangerous, especially if you're the one telling somebody else to do that. But I think that often there are parts of both. So I can't speak for anybody else's experience, but in this specific experience for me, where things are tight and there is an element of real scarcity in this month-to-month kind of financial experience, I need to deal with the very real scarcity and the emotional collateral damage of that. But I also need to make sure that I'm not adding a scarcity mindset or toxic financial beliefs on top of that and making it mean something else. So what I'm doing is like a financial spiral in my head because I'll be dealing with this issue that I might have dealt with by pulling money out of my emergency fund. That's what it's for, right? But then I'll go, I'm going to have to quit the business and get a job. And then it will be, oh, I just can't make this work. And then it will be, oh, if I hadn't done that and that and that, and what if I had done that differently? And maybe I shouldn't have done this. And maybe it's because I'm not good enough. And maybe it's because my business model isn't viable. And maybe it's because I should have done what that person did. And suddenly I'm making it mean something entirely different. And that's where the two get really enmeshed, the scarcity and the scarcity mindset. So you need to separate them you know, to help people deal with difficult times, but they can coexist at the same time if there's anything that's being like activated within that scarce experience. So that's sort of a big challenge at the moment, trying to not make that real difficulty mean something that it doesn't. And you know, that was sort of the example that I gave that I, I'll spiral into, oh, well, you know, another spiral. Like, well, we won't be able to go on a honeymoon then or we won't be able to do this and this. And it's not strictly true. And I'm only hurting myself by spiraling out. And, and when we do it to keep ourselves safe, our brains are feeling threatened and our mechanism to keep ourselves safe is to come up with those sort of, you know, predict those future outcomes because we think that we are helping ourselves by accepting that fact that everything's going to go to shit. And so we might as well just accept it. Whereas actually, I'm really just trying to deal with the isolated problem in a mathematical sense in the moment. 
use that to sort of farm that emotional data of I can get through this, I can face these tough times and then reframing a little bit. So like, yeah, it's difficult to go through hardship when you're self-employed because your income fluctuates and there's no security and your sense of security can be really threatened. And obviously that's a really primal thing, but equally I'm growing my financial resilience through this and my mental resilience and my business resilience as I make it work. You know, I think we've talked about this a lot. We hate using our emergency fund. I've talked about this so many times on this podcast and on social media. We hate using money that we've saved for this exact reality. And so something that's been helping me is like, you know, I hate spending that money, but at least I've got it. Imagine if I didn't, that would be when the business would have to be shut down and I would have to get a job with more security and more certainty. But it doesn't need to because of those things that I did for myself, building up that emergency fund and those other savings, you know, putting profit away in the business and that kind of thing. And so I think it's extra exacerbated in this in this moment because I'm looking at those numbers that I've got and, you know, in the business there's maybe 10 grand that sort of sits there and that's my runway. Whereas at other points in the business I've had 20. And so I'm like, oh my God, like I shouldn't have done that. And then I start, you know, talking myself out of decisions I've made and oh, should I have done that? And I'm noticing that I'm finding it difficult to make decisions that aren't crisis decisions. Does that make sense? I feel like it's actually easier to be dealing with the crux of it and making those crisis decisions than it is to kind of deal with something as an ongoing problem and go, okay, I've dealt with that problem for this month. If I want to then do X, Y, and Z, because that's something that I'd always plan to do and that's going to make me happy, like taking a holiday, for example, which I did recently, there was a lot of stuff there about you shouldn't be doing that. You should be, you know, you've got this financial problem, you shouldn't be doing that. And Obviously, every situation is different and sometimes it does mean cancelling things and there are tweaks that I've made to accommodate for this extra expense. But it's not to say that the money that I'd reserved for something that is going to improve my mental health and make me happy is no longer valid. And I think that that, you know, if you've ever paid off debt or you've been in a period of financial scarcity, you might relate to that sort of bit like I talked about in point one, that belief not fitting anymore. Because your belief might be, when things are hard, I can't buy anything that I enjoy. It might even be number related. When things are hard, I shouldn't be spending $500 on something. Because maybe that's a hangover from when that was a toxic behavior for you. But now the circumstances are different. And all of those other things can be true. You can have dealt with that financial problem and you can have used that and you could have used that and you could have made tweaks to make it easier and take the pressure off those areas. But then you keep this one thing for you. And that works in this scenario. But if it's coming up against that belief that you're not allowed to have anything while you're dealing with financial hardship, that's when it's going to feel really icky. And so getting to a point where I was okay to let myself have that holiday was quite monumental, I suppose, quite symbolic, dare I say it, because, yeah, it just sort of really demonstrated to me that there is that duality and multiple things can be true and it's not, you know, you don't have to have these black and white, all or nothing differences between things that can happen when you are dealing with financial impact or working through anything financially. So those are sort of the six things that are going on for me at the moment. They're all sort of interwoven in a way. And I hope this stream of consciousness has been somewhat enjoyable to listen to. Maybe I don't raw dog my episodes anymore. What do you think? (laughs) Maybe I should at least make some notes. It was all sort of sitting in my head and I thought, oh, this will be a good thing to sort of chat about in a solo setting. So stay tuned for next week's episode. I'm back with a really juicy interview that I think you're going to enjoy. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd love if you shared it with a friend or left a review on Apple 
podcast or Spotify to help more people find the show. I say it every damn time and I'm as grateful for every review as I was the first. So thank you for allowing me to join you in your ears today and I will see you in the next episode. Bye-bye. Thank you.